Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. We have an amazing episode all about everything you've been wondering about heading in the right direction. Things from career alignment to job hopping and picking a job that does not make you miserable. Today, I brought on Dr. Tega Edwin, founder of Her Career Doctor. She founded this company with a strong vision to help women who are unhappy at work to get clarity about who they are so they can find a fulfilling career that allows them to live on purpose, thrive in their zone of genius, and get paid a value-aligned salary. With a rich background, her advice comes with great weight. Her qualifications include a PhD in counselor education, a certification in salary negotiation, and she's even a licensed professional counselor. You can find her on LinkedIn as Mary Tega Edwin, PhD, LPC, and she's also on Twitter and Instagram at Her Career Doctor. Without further ado, let's launch right into this episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Hey, Dr. Tega, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? It is just so awesome to have you on the show and loved hearing and really reading about your story online and all of that. Thank you. What a better way to launch into this than just to hear a little bit more about you. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about that time where you were lying in your parents in your room back in your parents in Nigeria and the moment where you chose happiness. I haven't thought about that moment in such a long time. So it was when you mm-hmm. brought that back to memory, I was like, oh, wow, well, yeah, this was way back in... I don't remember the year, but it was right after. So before this moment, I thought I was going into medical slash healthcare field. And I had done healthcare research briefly and very quickly realized that that was absolutely the wrong track, like just the wrong thing for me because I was miserable doing it. I was in this tiny box as an office that I hated. The work itself was miserable. And I just remember feeling like I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I remember feeling like everyone else had it figured out and everyone knew who they were and they were thriving at work. And I was just here flailing. And I was starting to wonder if I was the problem and something was wrong with me. And so in trying to figure out what's next, I took that time off. And that time off meant going back home because I had been in the U.S. I just went back home. This is back when my parents were still in Nigeria. And this is supposed to be my sort of like adult gap year where I was going to try to figure out my life and what was next. And I just remember one night just laying in bed and thinking, right? I'm just sitting there thinking, laying, thinking, okay, what are you doing with your life? Like, what is the purpose of this? And I just remember deciding, you know what? I wasn't created to be miserable. For me, it was very much so I'm Christian. And so I remember just telling myself, God did not create you to be miserable. Like you were not created to be unhappy. And so if God mm-hmm. didn't create you to to be miserable, something's got to give. And that was when I decided I just needed to take a step back and figure out who I am. And that would, I figured, okay, you know what? If I at least know who I am, I should have an easier time figuring the career stuff out. And so, yeah, yeah, that was that moment. I think that's amazing. And I wanted to ask that question, especially because I'm sure you take that own experience that you've had and use that from an empathy perspective with your clients. Mm -hmm. And so, I know a lot of people that we've dealt with at our company and a lot of people listening to this podcast are, they may be feeling the same thing, right? Like they Mm -hmm. are in this sort of status quo situation to where they're not necessarily happy with where they're at and they're wondering, you know, Mm -hmm. what's next. And Mm so I've shared a similar story on the podcast with my own listeners, how I was stuck in restaurants land. I love restaurants. I love eating at them. I love food, but I don't like working at them necessarily. (laughs) I figured, you know, I'd worked my entire life ever since I was 16 at a restaurant, worked myself up from a buster all the way to a manager. And, you know, I realized that it was something that 
I wouldn't say it made me unhappy, but I knew I can be more happy doing a different thing or using my gifts mm-hmm. in a different way. So for you to share your story, I think is inspiring for listeners. And I think it really primes the subject of career alignment, which I'd, I would mm. love to talk to you about today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll ask you, this is a word I see or a phrase I see on LinkedIn all the time, but what does career alignment mean? How do we make that a little bit more concrete? Yeah. Which is funny that you say you see that phrase because I don't, I, mean, I use the word align, but I mm-hmm. like to use the term a fulfilling career. And so what I always say is a fulfilling career is one that is aligned with who you are. And so if we're going to make it more concrete, just based on how I work with clients, an aligned career is one that is in alignment with your values, your interests, and your skills, right? Because when you say it's aligned with who you are, someone might be like, what does that mean? Okay, I'm someone who likes the color purple. (laughs) Is it aligned with the color purple? Like, no. But so it's, what are the very specific aspects? I used to call this like the components of self. So the components of who you are that really need to be in alignment with your career. And that's your values, your interests, and your skills. And so an aligned career is one that kind of think of it, it's in synergy with those three parts of yourself. Okay, so- that makes a lot more sense. We can actually look at these things and, and write them out and figure out what they are versus like, mm-hmm. okay, alignment with myself can mean so many different things. So yeah. So listen, a lot of people are very unhappy with their jobs in 2021. Mm-hmm. You would think with all of the technology and all the boom that's happened in the last decade that this would be less of a problem. However, we've seen it's been, it just seems bigger than ever to me. Mm-hmm. So why are so many people unhappy with their jobs in 2021? Because in 2022, COVID made them realize that they hated their jobs (laughs) for most people. Like, if I'm being honest, in my head, I'm thinking of one very specific client that I work with in 2020. And I remember her just saying in 2020 that she had never really enjoyed her job, but she didn't know until the perks were taken away. And for her, the perks were things like she was in a consultant role. So she was always traveling. She was always going to see new clients. She was eating out. And so those things were kind of covering up the actual work, which is what she didn't like. Okay. It masked it. Those, when the pandemic hit, those perks were pretty much stripped away. Like literally, if you think of 2020, we were all just doing our job. I don't know if that makes sense, but like there was nothing else. There was no extra fluff. It's you at your computer for most of us doing the work. (laughs) And so when you sit, when it's just you and the work, and you hate the work, it's like, what the heck have I been doing? Right. Yeah. We're not in the office talking to, to colleagues. We're not going out. Like it, literally it was you and your work and then maybe your family. And so what I think happened for what we're seeing in 2021, where we're hearing, you know, people, in, especially on LinkedIn, are talking about this great resignation. I just think that, so one, 2020 really put people face to face with the actual tasks that they were doing at work. And a lot okay. of people recognize that, wait, this thing that I'm sitting down to do every day, I don't like it. And then two, I think for the people who already knew they didn't like their job, 2020 pushed a lot of us to face our mortality. Like it was a very grim year for a lot of us where either if we weren't losing loved ones, we were hearing of this massive death that was happening. And a lot of people, I think, were really thinking, is this all there is to life? And so I think for Mm. the people who didn't already know they didn't like their job, it was, oh, it's just me and the work. I hate it. But the people who already knew they didn't like it, it was... After this year, there's got to be more to life than me waking up every day, feeling miserable, dreading what I'm doing, and then coming home drained with no energy, and I'm ready to do something about it. And so now in 2021, I think we're now hearing more people talk about just not being content with the status quo. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It's almost like an awakening in a way. And I always look at things in the positive. And granted, last year, and even now, I mean, it's been a very tough 
tough time. But at the same time, I think looking at this as an opportunity to really awaken yourself to what do I really want right now? Where do I really need my life to be? And so I think it's really great all the work you're doing right now and helping people to get aligned with where they are and where their gifts really, where they're going to actually impact people. So I think that's amazing. I'll ask about that in a second, how to get aligned or to get more fulfillment. It's a really tough thing to do. But first, I wanted to ask about something you mentioned earlier about being miserable is not the norm. I think that phrase just really stuck out to me. We might even make that a podcast title for this episode. We'll see. But why are people so stuck in this belief system? Why do people think misery is the status quo and it's something that's yeah. it's tough to get out of? It's my cash phrase. I, I need to make t-shirts to say that. Um, like That's my plan. <laughs> that's yours. We'll um, give it to you. And I think it's because we are in a society that has normalized misery at work. Whenever this question comes up for me, I always like to contextualize it. So I'm a millennial. And so I always think about millennials and the Gen Zs. I feel like starting from millennials on is when people started having conversations about meaning in their work. When we think about our parents, we're like the baby boomers. And I don't know where Gen X falls before Gen X. I don't know. But anyway, the people before, so I think are like my parents and beyond, they very much didn't have the privilege of thinking about meaning. It was, I need to work to feed my family. Like that's what they were doing. They were going to, if I think of way, way before my parents, it was, oh, we used to go to the farm to go to the market to put food on the table. And that trend, even when the tech, when, you know, the world got digitalized, it was still, people were going to work to make money. That was, it was work. We're trying to survive. We're trying to feed the family, keep the lights on. And there's still some people, I think even today who just, when we think of socioeconomic status, racial factors, who are still in that space. However, I think some people, more people are moving into the space where they have what I call the privilege of choice in their career. Meaning they have the ability to choose where they work because it's no longer about the basic survival needs. If I think of Maslow's hierarchy, I'm going past survival into self-actualization. So I want to do more than just survive. I want to feel like I matter. I want to feel like my work is important. I want to feel like, you know, it's making a difference. But that group of people are still hearing from the previous group who is saying things like, at least you have a good job. What do you mean by happiness? You're making money. Like, that's all that matters. Like, why are you looking for meaning? And so... It's like this duality of there's still a generation very much alive who for them, it was just these are the groups who go to a job, stay there for 20 years and retire or die. Right. It's stability, money, safety, the end. And then we now have a group who's trying to come out of that and is thinking of meaning and impact and freedom. And so I think what's happening is the, the reason why people are so miserable is they have come out of a generation who very much believed that work is just about survival. And so whether you like it or not, that's not the point here. It's just, do you have a job and are you making money? That's all that matters. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. My next question was going to be like, imagine the person who is in that situation who, right, for them, the only thing that matters is just having that stable job, or maybe they right. came from somewhere else and they just mm -hmm. want stability. And that's the most important thing. They want a job that brings that income. And I could see, or I can imagine somebody listening to an episode like this with just some skepticism and having the same, like, why do I need to find alignment where it's about mm -hmm. that? But do you think that there is merit to finding that fulfilling career, even if you know that money is the most important thing for you right now? Can that help you to be more successful in that area and, and to, to do better? Also, and, and here's the dichotomy that I want to dismantle, because a lot of times, and I, I hear this just in my own content, is people assume that being in a fulfilling career means making less money. They're not mutually exclusive. 
There are people who mm-hmm. are extremely fulfilled right. who are making a lot of money in their mm-hmm. career. And that's where that alignment comes in where, so if, and this is the, remember I said values, interests, and skills. So if a mm-hmm. values, let's come back. The values are the foundation. The values are the things that are most important to you. They're the core beliefs, the compass, the things that drive you. And so if one of the things that is most important to you for value of yours is stability and finances and compensation, then that means your fulfilling career is going to be one where it's very stable and you're making good money, right? So it's because that's what matters to me. If I'm in a field and a job, like I think of maybe someone who's going into government jobs, right? Government jobs for the most part, not always, especially when they're running out of money, like they said they're doing. But for the most part, we know government jobs as being super stable. You know, it's like great benefits, you know, you, yeah. insurances, right? So if that is something that's important to you, your fulfilling career is one that gives you that, right? Yeah. That's very different from the person who, for them, I don't care about the money. I just care about the time freedom. I don't want to work nine to five. I want to work like four days and I just want to be able to go to brunch and go to dinner and not worry. That person, their fulfilling career is not so much the one that has high compensation. It's the one that has time freedom in the type of work they're doing. And so that's why fulfilling careers are very subjective because it's literally based on the individual. Is there a way that you would recommend people figure out what their values are Because surprisingly, I imagine if I pulled any professional aside and I said, hey, tell me what your values are. I almost know that people would just be like, what What are you talking about? Just struggle with (laughs) that. Uh, But I I just think it's so important, you know, having done Mm -hmm. like now 230 something of these episodes right now, how values comes up over and over and over again. Mm. And I don't think it can be overstated. So how do I start to think about my values and and figuring out what's right for me? Yeah. So there are a few ways and I'm going to sort of like share two resources and then summarize one. So I actually have a blog post called Four Ways to Figure Out Your Values. So I'm going to say what I remember from it off the top of my head. But if you Google her career doctor and four ways to figure out your values, that should come up. Or there's a fulfilling guy that I have that walks people through values. But one of the ways I can think of is literally just, I mean, this is like the the most basic, I think of elementary level way of figuring it out. Go to Google and Google values list and you'll get a ton of results that will just show you a list of value words, like just different terms. The possibilities. So, the, exactly. The words, so values yeah. are things like autonomy, flexibility, respect, uh, supervision. That's what we mean by values. So just pull up a list and just skim through it. And as you're skimming, ask yourself, what's important to me? What matters to me? And see which words sort of jump out to you as this is what's important to me. So like that, that's the most basic rudimentary way I would say of figuring out. I would also even say check in with yourself. When are times when you have felt angry at work at something that happened? And this is why I say, because the phrase I like I use with my coaches, my clients, sorry, it's, are you in a workplace that's violating your values? And usually when our values are being violated, that's when anger comes up or frustration or disgruntledness. So if something has just happened at work and you find yourself just thinking, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening right now. Pause and check what just happened. Was it that you got cut off in a meeting? And so maybe respect is something that's important to you. Was it that you asked for feedback and your boss didn't give you clear feedback? And so maybe clear feedback is important to you. Was it maybe you got your paycheck and you realized they had taken some of your money and you're like, what the heck? And so (laughs) money might be important to you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the, The times when you feel those visceral emotional reactions to something happening at work, ask yourself what just happened because there's a part of you that felt violated. And so that, yeah. whatever it was that was violated is a value, something that was important to you. And that's why you're having this strong emotional reaction. Those would be two very quick ways that I would suggest. That's wonderful. And that makes a lot of sense. And 
I want to unpack just that last one just for a second. Mm -hmm. And let's say I do find like this disconnect, that gut feeling that I feel like my values either aren't being respected or like the company doesn't respect it. But how would I know that it's my manager per se that is the problem or if it's Mm -hmm. the company overall? Because I can imagine, you know, Mm -hmm. our managers and our supervisors and even our coworkers influence us so much because it's where we get a lot of the FaceTime or Zoom Mm -hmm. time, whatever you want to call it. But how do I know if I even need to change companies, if that's something that we might be alluding to? It's a lot of self-reflection, because as you're saying that, I was thinking back to, you know, the program where I work with women who are trying to find clarity. And there's some women who go through it and they realize, oh, the company wasn't the problem. It was the role. And so they just shift within the same company. The role. Okay. And there's some who are like, the role isn't the problem. It's the company. I like the work. I hate the company. So I need to go do this work somewhere else. And so I think it's, it's just we've gone on this series of self-discovery where you, you do have to just engage in a lot of self-reflection of what matters to me. What do I enjoy evaluating your environment and really so the times when I feel that strong emotional reaction is it when I'm talking to my manager or is it every time I step into the office whether that's in a virtual or physical sense if it's literally every time I'm in this environment I just feel like I want to get out of it it's probably the company if it's no it's whenever I'm doing something that has whether it's my manager sent me an email or having a conversation it's usually just when I'm with this one person I feel so icky and annoyed then it's probably that one person. And so it's it's lots of self-reflection that has to happen and anal- analyzing your environment and your interactions. Wonderful. You've said, or you've never said this on a podcast before, <laughs> I should say, and that's, quote, your job has an expiration date, which I loved when we talked about this. And it just, it was very eye-opening for me. Can you just elaborate on that statement? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So a lot of us <laughs> it's a good stay past And I remember the first time I used this, you know, with a client, I was like, it's literally like milk in the fridge. The milk is gone bad and you left it in your fridge. You need to throw it out. I have so much expired milk in my fridge right now. It's a thing for me. It's like you need to throw this job away. It's somebody else's job at this point. But there are, at least for now, we'll see if it expands as time goes on. But there are two main reasons I talk about your job expiring. One came directly out of research that was released on Forbes years ago. And they pretty much said that People who stay in a job over two years make 50% less money than people who transition out of the, well, they said company, but who transition out of the company. So pretty much the longer you stay with a company, the more money you're leaving on the table. And that makes perfect sense because if you think of the average company year after year, you're getting maybe what, three, four, 5% bonus. And this is, those are the good numbers, right? Like some people are doing one, 2%. So you're doing this three, four, 5% bonus year after year. That's what you're getting. And the bonus is based off of what you're currently making. Every time you go to a different company, every time you job search, I should put it this way, when you get a new job, you have the opportunity to negotiate 10, 20, 50% raises in it's your salary. Opportunity. Yeah. And so imagine if you had, let's say two years have gone by. And after this two years, you get a 5% raise on Oh man, I'm about to try to do math and that's not my strong suit. I don't know why I went this way, but let's just say this 5% on 100,000. Oh gosh. Yeah. Is, yeah. That, is that 5,000? Is that 500? I don't know. I don't do math in my head. But imagine 5% on 100,000 versus, yeah. oh, yeah. I went somewhere else, I negotiated and I'm getting a 20% raise on 100,000. 
Right. Significant jump. And so every time you stay more than two years, you're losing out on opportunities to bump up your compensation. The second reason I talk about this is we as people are constantly evolving. So the things you like today are not what you liked five years ago. And I mean, literally everything. That's why we we give clothes away other than if we got, gained or lost weight. But it's like, I haven't worn this in five years. I hate it now. Why is it still in my closet? Or, right. you know, the cars we drive, the, the things we watch. This is why we leave TV shows unwatched. We just change. And when we do, our interests change, which then stands to reason that if you as a person are constantly evolving and growing and the things that you enjoy are evolving and growing, your work needs to evolve and grow with you. So the kind of work you enjoyed doing five years ago, three years ago, even two years ago sometimes, is not the same kind of work you enjoy doing now. And so when you stay past that two years, you are not accounting for the evolution that has happened in you. And this is why we then, I find a lot of people that have now entered this space of, I hate my job. It's because some people, when you think about it, they're like, you know what? When I first started, I was so motivated and I was engaged and I loved it. And now I don't know what happened. I know what happened. You changed. Mm. But the work didn't change with you. And so you stayed past the expiration date and now you're staying in a place that's no longer aligned, even though it was aligned when you first started. I can so relate to that. those are the two main reasons I bring that up. I can relate to that. That's one. I used to love doing blog posts for our company and then I started hating it. And uh, if you are a blog writer for a company right now, just know that I hope you love it. But I do <laughs> not right now. And I appreciate you for taking over. So like for me, it took me so long to realize that it was something that I didn't want to do. My brother, he was even saying like, hey, maybe you should let this go. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I love it. It's great. Like I get the freedom to write whatever I want. But I lost interest in it. And that took some time to realize. And for you to tell listeners that I think that's great. I think it's going to be a wake up call for people who may have evolving interests. So I think that's wonderful. And I hope people can take something away from that. And Mm -hmm. you scared me early when you first said this, when I'm a business owner, right? I have employees, I have people who work for me. What would Mm -hmm. you tell me to to do (laughs) if I know that people may want to quit after two years? Now, let me paraphrase, even for for the business owner, for you and even for the people listening. When I say your job has that two-year expiration date, it doesn't necessarily always mean that every two years you get a new job. For some people, that's what it is. But It also might just mean you need new responsibilities so you can be in the same job. But okay, after two years, is there a new project you get to lead or maybe somebody you now get to supervise or a new team that you get in charge of? Right. So it doesn't mean you're leaving companies. And in some cases, it's I got a promotion. Right. So it just means every two years, something needs to happen, whether it's a massive shakeup or just a small addition, like a a, a pebble, you know, a ripple in the river or just pour all the water out. It depends. And so I would say this is where career development planning comes in for business owners and CEOs and even for individuals where you need to be able to, I would say, so back to your question, having regular conversations with employees where you're just checking in with their satisfaction level and asking, like, are there skills they want to develop? Are there opportunities they're looking for? Are there cool things happening in the company that they want to be a part of? Is there a different department that they can just hop on a project with real quick to see if that's the area they want to go in? Because what I find is when, as an employer, when you do career development, you open up the door for your employees to move internally, Mm. which now means you're saving money on training somebody freshly about the culture. They already know what's happening. You just shift Mm -hmm. them within the organization as opposed to employees who are looking and saying, okay, there's a cap on where I can grow here. There's nothing else for me. I'm just going to leave. 
And so now you have to fill their position. But if you shift them around, if you're almost like you're sort of shuffling your workers, but based on what they have identified as what they're interested in and where they want to grow. And so having regular conversations about their career development, where do they see themselves? What are their goals? What are their dreams? What is their vision as it relates to their career? And then looking and sometimes you'll be able to say, you know what, here's what we have coming up. I think it fits perfectly with this dream you have. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it'll be, you know what, it's been a great run. I don't see how we can help you reach that goal. I'm happy to support you as you make a transition into something else. That makes so much sense. And it sounds like a negotiation to me, right? And negotiation in in the best sense of the word, the broadest sense, which is it's a optimization, a conversation between two parties to Mm -hmm. make the best situation. So Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. All right. One, two finish up here with the final topic of job mm. hopping. It's something that it's a word that even gives me anxiety, even though I've it's not been a fear of me. But I know people worry about the concept of looking like a job hopper. Some people mm-hmm. want to change jobs, but it doesn't fit their their original vision. Perhaps it looks mm-hmm. bad on their resume. I've gotten that one. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps they just changed jobs or just changed careers and they feel like it just doesn't feel right to them. So should people be worried about changing jobs if we're directing them to do so, if that might be the case? No, with a caveat. I mean, it's one thing if you just got a job, you're six months in, you realize it's miserable, it's time to go. I think people misuse that term job hopping. Let me put it that way. Okay. For me, I think of a job hopper as someone, if I look over the last, and I'm literally just making this up as I go now, it's very much arbitrary and it looks different. But I always think over a long time frame, between five to 10 years, have you, these are the keywords, regularly left a job after regular short intervals, right? So it's not just this one time where there was this short stint at one company. It's when I look at your resume, literally every six, 10, 12 months for the past five, six, seven years, you've been leaving. That's when I think of it as hopping. And I don't think a lot of people have that situation. I think some people might have maybe one or two times where they left quickly and then they've now stayed at one place longer and they're ready to go again. But they're like, oh, but I have these other one or two times. It's like, no, you had two situations where there was no alignment and you chose to leave. So that's the first step I would say is, you know, reconfiguring how you think of hopping in the sense that most people I don't think are hoppers because they haven't done it as long as they've just heard that phrase and it scared them. That's one. Two, in the age of COVID-19, a lot more, at least I've heard and seen, a lot more employers and recruiters are just aware that people are doing shorter term stints because of the nature of the world of work right now. Either things are, jobs are opening, jobs are closing, companies are shutting down. And so those regular transitions are happening. If we look at just the past year and a half, that's normal to have. And third, no, maybe, yeah, third and fourth, we'll see. There's a way to create, because I think of when you said, I want to go into something else, but I haven't done it before. It looks bad on my resume. I think that there's a way to, and I'm sure you have something to say about this as a resume writer. There's ways to position your resume to really highlight the skills that you're bringing in. And then you put a cover letter to then tell the story behind those dates. If that's something you're really concerned about, like it's all about the story. And so it's okay. Let me highlight the skills. So I get in the door and then I use this cover letter to tell my story. When I get in the interview, I can tell you about how there was just a misalignment. I can tell you about what happened in my life that made me take that break. Mm -hmm. But the key thing is getting in that door first and focusing on that by showing how you are the ideal candidate. I think job hopping is like a 1%. If I think of a pie of what to be worried about when job searching and there's this whole 100% pie, hopping is like 1% of that pie. Like there are a lot of other things you can do to position yourself as an expert or as the ideal candidate to where 
that shouldn't be holding you back yeah. from leaving a role that is starting to impact your physical and mental health, but applying to a role that you know very well that I would kick butt at this job. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to apply because I don't want to look like a hopper. No, go yeah. for it and have a conversation about it with the recruiter, the hiring manager, whoever it may be. Wonderful answer. And you know that there are people right now who are not taking that job because they're afraid of mm-hmm. looking like a job hopper. I've spoken with these people on the phone, even, you know, with the resume, because people are afraid of, you know, what is this going to look like? How can I write a resume mm-hmm. for for marketing if I've been a teacher, you know, for the last five years? How am I going to do that? And mm-hmm. so I would tell those people that it is OK and mm-hmm. that there is a way to market yourself in the right way and to not be afraid because so many other people are going through it, like you said. Yeah. Dr. Tega Edwin, thank you so much for joining us. You were an excellent guest. I want to leave with just some words of wisdom for job seekers. And I always ask this question, but if you can tattoo one encouraging message for every job seeker, what would that message be? Being miserable at work should not be your norm. I knew that's that's the one. (laughs) um, That's the one. (laughs) Steal that. That is so good. It is not the norm. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. So I think that's amazing and inspiring for me. I love my job and I'll say that publicly. I've said it privately too to people too. But Mm -hmm. there have been times where I felt misalignment even the last, I've done this for seven years. So I've had to Mm -hmm. find ways to reinvent myself. I've had moments and flavors, I guess we'll call them, but little tastes of being miserable when Mm -hmm. I've done stuff that I hate doing. Mm -hmm. And so I'll back you up on everything you said in this podcast, which is that it's really important to realize where your interests are now and your values are now and to find ways to align with them, even if you're going to stay with the same company. I'll definitely echo that. Awesome. Well, Dr. Tega Edwin, thank you so much for joining us. How can people get in touch with you and what are you up to right now? How can listeners get some more of what you were doing? Yeah, for sure. My pleasure. Uh, Best place to get in touch with me, Instagram at Her Career Doctor. That's where I spend most of my time or on my website, HerCareerDoctor.com. That would be, I say, the best place to find me. What am I up to? If I think back to the conversation we had about that two year expiration date. So one thing I've recently created for just professional people everywhere is a career development plan. So it's a document that you should that's there for you to be revisiting every two years to Think about alignment and what's next for you. So if you go to mycareerdevelopmentplan.com, you can just grab your copy of that and one, check in with yourself to see if you've hit your expiration date and start to kind of map out what's next for you and how can you find and build the resources that you need to successfully continue to grow in your career. Awesome. That sounds good. And listeners, you know how we do. We make sure to include all these links within the description of this podcast episode. So make sure to check those out when you were not jogging or driving. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You were amazing. And I hope we continue to stay in touch. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Chris. Well, listeners, you heard it. This concludes this episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. And one of my favorite things to encourage all of you to do is to follow both me and our guest here and post this episode on LinkedIn and tag both of us. I would love to hear your insights or questions and be in touch because your feedback means a lot to us. It helps direct the show in a really positive way. So this wraps up this episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Can't wait to see you next Monday at 8 a.m. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. 
Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify, but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning.